Not too bad. It's good to see you here at Faith Bible Church. Excited to have you worshiping with us this Memorial Day. Want to take a minute and just say thank you to all of those that came out yesterday to kind of clean up the church grounds. Had a good time. Uh, took about two hours. We're here, uh, able to spray for weeds, uh, wash windows, mow the lawn, do all that kind of stuff. So those of you that were part of that, really, really appreciate it. Church grounds look great. One memory I have is, is I believe we set the record uh, yesterday for the fastest mowing time of the grounds ever, which was like 30 minutes. Um, and uh, one memory that I've got is, is Jake was on this like monster thing um, that like shoots fire behind it. I mean, he was like ripping behind the back 40 here and like grass was flying everywhere, just back and forth. And then we had like two other mowers going and somebody was mowing like on a small one. Um, so I think in like 30 minutes we like mowed this place. It looks great. Um, in all seriousness, thank you to those of you that came out yesterday. I uh, took some time out of your day just to pretty up the grounds. We deeply, deeply appreciate it. This morning we are in our second of three sermons talking about being rich toward God. Uh, how can we be rich toward Him? And this morning I want to encourage you with something that I think is important that we need to recognize. And what I'm going to say is this. That the Christian life was never meant to be lived passively. Let me say that one more time. The Christian life was never meant to be lived passively. What do I mean by that? One of the things that I think is so important for us to see and recognize is oftentimes we can fall into spiritual apathy or what I would even say is a spiritual depression if we allow our Christian faith to become Passive. So let me say this. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to all of you who come to worship on a Sunday. Take time out of your day to come and hear the Word of God, to receive a message, to hear what God might be speaking into your lives. But I also want to tell you that the Christian faith goes so far beyond just coming to church on a Sunday and sitting in a seat and listening to a pastor preach the word. The Christian faith is an active one. It's getting in the game. It's being part of the blessing of God. And so this morning we're going to be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and essentially what we're going to do is, is we're going to see how we can be encouraged to be moved from a mere consumer of the Christian faith to a distributor of the grace of God. One of the things that I will say that I do have a concern with, particularly in the American church, is it's too easy to become very passive in your Christian faith. Go to church, get a latte, maybe hear a cool message, be entertained, sing a few songs, have a few things to think about, go home, and then put your Christian faith on the shelf until next Sunday, where you're entertained by some rock band singing cool songs, some pastor bringing out neat things, and then on and on it goes. The reality is, is we've never been designed to live that way. We're not designed in our Christian faith to essentially sit passively and receive that which we have been given. We're meant to live it out Actively, We're meant to exercise our faith. We're meant to be distributors of our faith. We're meant to go out into the world and bring the grace of God to other people. 
And so this morning, we're going to ask a question, and I want you to really think about this in your lives. Over the last year, just think about your life and examine it, and I want you to honestly ask, have you been more of a consumer or a distributor of God's blessing? Is it more about you? What do I get out of church? What do I receive? Now, it's important. Obviously, we need to be filled. We need to be taught. We need to be encouraged. We need to be instructed. But if it's all about you, it's all about what you get rather than what you give, something is fundamentally wrong in your Christian faith. Because the reality is, is when we realize what we've been given, when we realize what we have, when we realize who we are, when we realize the message that we've received, when we realize the blessings that we've been bestowed upon by our Savior Jesus Christ, we can't simply be consumers. We move to fundamentally being distributors of the grace of God. That's our calling. Jesus essentially didn't go to his disciples and say, hey, I'm going to give you this great gift. I'm going to do all of these things. This is wonderful. And then what I want you to do is, is I want you to sit around all 12 of, 12 of you and consume the blessings that I've given to you until you die. We wouldn't have the Gospels. We wouldn't have the writings of Paul. We wouldn't have the missionary journeys. We wouldn't have the expansion of the church. We wouldn't have the church today if that's the message that Jesus gave. But rather, what Jesus said is, here are the blessings of which I've given, which are freely given to you by what I've done on the cross so that you might have eternal life. Now that you've received these blessings, what? Consume them. Right? What does it say? Go and what? Make disciples. So if we're going and making disciples, yet all we're doing is sitting and consuming, something's fundamentally wrong. The manner of how we make disciples is being distributors of God's grace, going out into the world, taking our Christian faith, moving it, showing people that we're different. It's wonderful to come to church, and I'm saying that's great, particularly in this day and age. Thank you for being here. But my challenge to all of us is to move our hearts from just merely sitting passively in a pew to being a distributor of the grace of God in our daily life to those who are around us. Friends, what I will tell you is simply this. If we move to being distributors of God's grace, if we move to the fact of recognizing the blessings that we've been giving to those who are around us, Christian faith, the Christian world, will move greatly and we will see an awakening. But oftentimes what we do is, is we come, we get what we want, or to be honest with you, and I'm gonna say this lovingly, but quite seriously, if the songs that are sung aren't the ones that we want to sing, if the pastor says something that might offend us, yet, yet we don't take a moment to really examine our heart and recognize, why am I offended by that? Is it because I'm actually sinning and not listening to the word of God? Is it that the Holy Spirit is convicting me and actually showing me an area in my life where perhaps I might need to think differently, behave differently, repent, or ask God for his forgiveness? We just move forward and we say, well, I didn't like that. And then the next thing you know, we're off to whatever church is down the road, across the street. It's easy to consume, but that's not the Christian faith. 
we're called to be distributors of the grace of God. And that's what I want to move us toward today as we look, particularly in this passage, that Paul is uh, essentially writing to the church at Corinth. They are going to be giving a gift to other people. But what we see in this is we see how by giving this gift, individuals actually receive the blessing themselves. Let's say just a quick old adage. It's uh, more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Now, please hear me in this. I'm not necessarily talking monetarily. You could look at this financially if you want to. But we all know that the Christian faith becomes so much more active, so much more alive when we're engaged in it and we are moving toward being individuals who are filled with the Holy Spirit. The other thing that I want to share with you is this. When do we often tend to pull back from our Christian faith? When we're either too busy, right? When things get hard, now sometimes when things get hard, what we do is we pull into our Christian faith individually. But oftentimes what we do is, is, oh, things are too difficult right now. Things are too challenging. I'm just gonna kinda take my time, I'm gonna do my thing, and then when things settle down a bit, then what? I'm gonna move into engaging in the church, right? Can I be honest with you? Looking at my life right now and realizing how busy we are, I've come to the reality that my life isn't going to settle down anytime soon. So if I go with that idea, if I go with that mantra, then I'm going to continually be encouraged to sit passively with my faith rather than engaging and becoming a distributor of the grace of God. So this morning, again, we're going to look at this passage. We're going to pick up essentially in uh, verse 5 of chapter 9. Paul is writing again to the church at Corinth, and we're going to see about um, sowing generously. So let's talk first and foremost about sowing, but then let's also talk about sowing generously. And I want to ask you another very deep question. Are you sowing generously in your Christian faith? Whether that's financially, whether that's with your time, with that's, whether that's with your talent. Are you sowing generously? Okay? Not just enough to get by, not just enough to make the quota, not just enough to not be noticed, maybe enough to maybe get a little kudo or a pat on the back, but you're sowing generously, regardless of the recognition. Because the reality is, is we're not after the praise of man, we're after what? The blessing of God and the joy that he has given to us. So think about that as we look and we dive into this passage. Paul starts off in verse 5, and he says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So I want to stop there for a minute. First and foremost, before we go anywhere else, whenever you give a gift... If you are doing so grudgingly, I'm just going to be 100% honest, just don't. Just stop. If, if you're giving a gift and you're sitting there and you're going, man, I could really use this whatever for whatever, whether it's financial, whether it's time, whatever it might be, lovingly what I would tell you is just don't. But when you give a gift, give it generously 
Be blessed by it and say, you know what? God has given whatever, maybe finances, maybe a talent that you have. God's blessed me with some additional time, and so I'm going to go and I'm going to do some work at the church. I'm going to go do some work for somebody else. The other thing, too, before I get too deep into this is, great, if you have an opportunity to come and bless this church, wonderful. But the reality they want to share with you is, is it's not just Faith Bible Church. It could be that you're out there and you say, you know what, I have some extra time. I know that I've got a friend that's struggling. They're having a hard time with this or that or whatever it might be. And you go and you spend time with him or her. Maybe financially you find that there's a great organization out there that's doing a great work for the, for the Lord. And you're like, you know what, we've got some extra funds. I want to give generously to them because I know that's what they're doing. But notice, then it will be ready as a, what? Generous gift, not as the one grudgingly given. Well, how do we get there, okay? Has anybody ever given a, a gift grudgingly? None of you? I'm the only person that's done that? Okay, well then maybe I need to check my heart. There are times when I've given gifts grudgingly. There are times when I've been sitting there going, yeah, you know, this is fine, but really, I could have used this for something else, or we could have done something here, or whatever it might be. And to be honest with you, I need to check my heart on that. The other thing that I'll tell you is how many of you have given a gift generously, where you're like, you know what, we've been blessed here, go see. Anybody do that? Can I, can I ask, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a rhetorical question, I'm going to know the answer, but there's a difference, isn't there? There is an absolute difference in a gift given grudgingly versus a gift given generously, okay? So here's what I want to ask, friends. If there is a difference, then why would there be a difference? And I'm going to say that the reason is, is the heart behind what is given. And if it's the heart behind what is given, then what we need to see is how do we have our hearts changed so that we're continually giving whatever it might be, time, talent, treasure, generously in an abundance of grace for the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ rather than giving grudgingly. That's what we're going to examine today. Paul continues on, okay? Verse uh, number six, okay? Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Okay, I'm going to say it three times because there's a reason he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I know our sinful heart, so what's the next thing that we think? Well, great, if I just give a lot of money, then hopefully I'm going to get even more money back. That's not how this works. Because God knows the intention of your heart. But if you are sowing generously, you will reap generously. Maybe not back financially, but just as I've said earlier, when we give with a generous heart, how many of you have reaped generously back in ways that can't, quote-unquote, be financially given or blessed? Okay? Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's the other quick thing I want to say. Please don't ever, that's why when we talk about giving, we say, for those of us that want to give, it's an act of worship. For those of you that are visiting today, please don't feel obligated to give. We never want you to feel like you are giving under compulsion. 
We never want you to feel like as the offering plate goes around, there's this little camera in there that's kind of examining who's giving and who's not, and then we're figuring out how much individuals are giving. That's not what we want. But that's also not the heart behind how we should be giving, whether it's financially with our, or with our time or with our talents. Because God lives a, loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because their heart's in the right place. Why is their heart in the right place? Because they realize the gift that they've been given through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, watch this, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my life. I want to abound in every good work because of the grace that's been given to me by God, because of the heart that I have for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because I recognize the blessings that Jesus gives. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That sounds like a pretty good deal. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Watch this. You will be made rich in every way. Sweet. So that I can consume it for myself and sit as a passive Christian doing my own thing. Right? What do the words say? You will be made rich in every way so that purpose, what? What's the purpose? You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Friends, it's all about him. It's all about our Savior. It's all about our Lord. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many uh, expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Let's take a minute and let's break this down. I want to encourage all of us. As we look at our hearts, as we look at our lives, are we more of a consumer or distributor of God's blessing? And first and foremost, what I want to tell you is this, that you're not stuck. God isn't mad at you if you look and you say, you know what, as I really think about this, I'm more of a consumer than a distributor. But I also want to let you know that we can move and we are called to move from being a consumer to a distributor of the grace of God. And how we do that is not by our own might. Friends, if you try to do this on your own, if you just say, okay, well, I'm just gonna, today, I'm gonna pull my bootstraps up and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I, I do more or I, I, I give more or whatever it is and it's all about me, what I'm going to tell you is you're gonna become exhausted. You're gonna become tired. Church is gonna be hard. The Christian life is going to be boring. 
The Christian life is going to be arduous. The Christian life is going to be blasé. Why? Because you're not meant to do it alone. You're given the Holy Spirit that is alive in you, and as you discover the richness of who God is, who you are as his child, the blessings that you have been given and the blessings that you are receiving, the joy of your salvation, that is what then drives the heart to what? Be generous, because you've been given everything. Friends, we are heirs to the promise of the kingdom of God, which will not be broken. And because of that, we can be called to be generous. As our hearts recognize the blessing we have in him, our hearts become generous. The first thing I want to show you in verses 5 through 7 is this. The condition of our heart determines if we are a consumer or a distributor of God's blessings. I I really want to drive that home. Examine your heart. Examine your relationship with the Lord. And honestly, go before him and say, are there parts of my life where I'm going like this with what you give versus like this with what you give? Are there parts in my life where I need to examine and look and say, God, because of who you are, because of the blessings that you've given, not only do I want to, quote unquote, give more, but I want to give generously. One of the things that I think is so amazing, and I'm just going to, I'm going to bring this up. Some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It is such a joy to watch what's going on with our food pantry. Long time ago, we were looking, particularly at COVID, and we were wondering what was going to happen with the food pantry. Obviously, there was going to be larger need. We weren't sure where finances were gonna go. We were sitting there saying, people need food, what do we do? And some individuals had this crazy idea, okay? Just this crazy idea of, let's give more. What? You want to give more? Well, wait a minute. We have this much. We're looking here. We're only getting this. How are we going to do that in a time where it's not going to add up? And so individuals started giving more, and we can't, we can't give it away fast enough. There's always more money. There's always more food. God is just doing this because I think in it, the heart behind it was to give generously. We can't outgive God. Okay? So extrapolate that for a moment and say, when we want to give generously, wisely, obviously, right? But when we want to give generously, God is going to give generously back to us. Not, all, not, not just, let me say this, not just monetarily. Okay? It might be in relationship. It might be in enjoyment, it might be in fellowship, it might be in communication with other people. Some of the richest people I know are the poorest people I've ever met financially. But they're rich because what? They're rich in Jesus. Verse five, basically, 
he's transitioning, and that's why I wanted, you know, if you look in the NIV, it's fine, it's a, it's a break at six, but really, the transition is so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. Then it will be run ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. That's the purpose. Let's give this gift with a heart of generosity to dispense the grace of God, not one that we kind of look at and say, man, we could really use that for ourselves. And then Paul says, in order to do that, remember this. This is what I want you to know. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Let's throw this out again. When have you in your life sown sparingly? Don't need to tell me, but has there been a time in your life where you've sown sparingly? What was the result? Okay, whether it was financially, whether it was with your time, whether it was with your talent or whatever, what was your general result? If you sowed sparingly, did you reap sparingly? Okay, has there been a time in your life where you've sown generously? Whatever it might be, again, time, talent, treasure. Did you reap generously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see head. The, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, just look around. It's true. Because there's a spiritual principle behind this. When we realize the blessings that we've been given from God, when we realize who we are in Jesus Christ, when we realize our destiny in Christ, when we realize the great promise we have, the reality of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ, how do we... How do we not want to sow generously? Sometimes what I would propose is that we sow sparingly because we haven't recognized the reality of the blessings we've been given. We continue on. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, this is up to you. This is a matter of your heart. This is a matter of how God directs your heart with whatever it is that he might give. Finances, time, talent, treasure, whatever that might be. But ultimately, behind it, whenever you decide to give, the big thing is don't do so reluctantly or don't do so under compulsion. Don't do it because you feel like you have to. Don't do it because you don't want to. Do it because God's been generous and you want to be generous with him. A heart issue. Now, the other side of this is how do we change the heart? Anybody feel like sometimes that God might be this guy up there that's just ready to like strike you down if you do something wrong? That could be not further from the truth. As his child, as his beloved, as the one who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and come to him by what Christ has done for you, you could not be more loved by God. The best love you could ever receive from anyone on this earth pales in comparison to the love that God has for you when you are his son or daughter. Period. I can love Kelly the best I can. I can love my kids the best I can. I can do everything in my power to love them the best way possible. 
and I will still fall short, infinitely short, of the love that God has for me and for you as his son or his daughter. And there's a reason for that. Because God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the maker and sustainer of the heavens and the earth, and I am not, and nor are you. One of the things that I think is important, and I think A.W. Pink says this pretty succinctly, he's an English Bible teacher and Christian author, um, kind of an individual that was important sort of in uh, establishing sort of the Calvinistic thought of his day, but also Reformed theology, says this, Satan is ever seeking to inject that poison into our hearts to distrust God's goodness, especially in connected with his commandments. Satan constantly wants to show you that God isn't good or doesn't care or doesn't love you or doesn't really want what is best for you. That is why, or sorry, that is what really lies behind all evil, lusting and disobedience. A discontent with our position and portion, a craving from something which God has wisely held from us. Anybody want something out there? Yeah. Anybody not get what you want? Yeah. Anybody, when you don't get what you want, get mad at God sometimes? Okay. But then you realize maybe that's a good thing that I didn't get what I thought I wanted. Oftentimes, maybe when you realize what you want and you get closer to God, as you draw closer to God, what you want really isn't what you want because you realize the heart of God. And perhaps what it is that you want would take you further from the heart of God rather than closer to it. Friends, sometimes, particularly, and I'm just going to say this, in, in, in our American culture, we are such a consumeristic culture. We are designed, we are programmed to consume Just look at TV. Just look at your phone. Just look at advertisements. I've said this before. They're constantly designed to make us dissatisfied with our current position. And then they're designed to promise that if we buy this product, right, then all of our desires will come true. Right? I've got to laugh. Um... Um, the, the name of the soap is escaping me. Kelly, what's, the, what's that soap that I wanted back a couple of Christmases ago? Dr. Squatch. Anybody, Dr. Squatch soap? Anybody hear about Dr. Squatch soap, right? So Dr. Squatch soap is like this soap that supposedly says, like, if you, if you have the soap, you're going to smell amazing, and, you know, it's going to be great, and all this kind of stuff, and they promise this thing called pine tar, right? So, like, smell like a man, right? You know, get in there, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I got the soap. And, and if any of you have Dr. Squatch, like, that's, you know, great or whatever, but didn't do it. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Just didn't do it, okay? Um, pine tar isn't my scent is all I'm going to say, right? <laughs> now, I bring that up and we're laughing about it, but the reality is, is you see this ad and it's like, you know, I'm going to come out smelling like a man, right? Uh, and it didn't happen, okay? 
We're designed in our culture to be programmed to say you need to be discontent with where you are, but if you get X, Y, or Z, you will get whatever it is that you desire. And that's constant. But that's so contrary to what's being stated here in the Christian faith. He continues on and he says, Reject any suggestion that God has unduly, uh, is unduly severe with you. Reject it. Resist with the utmost abhorrence anything that causes you to doubt God's love and his loving kindness toward you. Allow nothing to make you question the Father's love for his child. Friends, fight that. When you question the love of God and wonder if God is there, fight with all your might through Scripture to demonstrate and prove that nothing could be further from the truth. God loves you infinitely as his son or his daughter, and you are his, period. And as a loving father, he will do everything to hold you in his hand and bring what's right for you. Period. Knowing that drives our heart to being generous and a dispenser of the grace of God because what? We've been given all of that and yet we haven't earned it. Paul then continues and he says, in verse 8, and, so, determine what you should give. Don't do so reluctantly or out of compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver, right? God delights in it. Why does God love it? Because God knows, he realizes what you've been given. Then, in verse 8, he transitions and says, and God is able to make grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's the one that does this. Why? Purpose. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then he backs it up, okay? And essentially he goes back and says, as it is written, and he's quoting essentially from Psalm 112, verse 9, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He's the one who receives this. So the next part of this in verses 8 and 9, first and foremost, we've seen in 5 and 7 that the condition of our heart determines if we are a consumer or distributor of God's blessing. But the next thing is contentment with what God has given brings cheerful distribution of God's blessings. Friends, are we content? Are you content with what you've been given? And what I will say is, lovingly, probably not. And that's no discredit to you, but again, our culture is designed specifically to not be content. But if we are, it brings about a cheerful heart and a distribution of God's blessings. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, all, all that you, friends, you have all you need in Jesus Christ right now, period. 
you will abound in every good work. You have the internal inheritance given to you via the promise of God. Every single one of you. All of us, I've said it last week, are billionaires in God's economy. There's nothing more that God can give. And so are we content in what God has given? Then he continues on, and he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply an increase to your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So don't miss this. He's the one that supplies it, right? Everything that we have, we've talked about this even in our tithes and offerings, but everything that we have financially, our gifts, our talents, our treasures have been given to us by God. God has uniquely designed each and every single one of you. We see that in Psalm 139. I praise God because I'm what? A photocopy of just some distribution that God put out? Just another person? Just another number? No, I praise you because I'm what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But I want to take a minute and I want you to sit for a minute and realize every single person here this morning and the cars that are driving by on the road right now are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's masterpiece. Now, don't get an elevated head. We're not God. But if I could, if I could, oh, some of the, some of the youth here, okay, can I, can, I just, can I just throw out to all of you, the world wants to show you that you are inconsequential, and I want to tell you that that's a lie. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely designed by God for a specific purpose. And that purpose may not translate in this economy, but this economy doesn't matter because it will fade away. It translates and transacts in God's kingdom and his economy. And don't ever forget that. He's the one who will supply an increase to your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Wow. You will be made rich in every way. Awesome. I'm going to be rich, not here, but in every way in God's kingdom. Friends, do we feel that? Do we know that? Do we praise God for the richness that we have in his kingdom? which isn't the one that will pass away? Or do we continue going around saying, God, I'm not rich here in whatever it might be, whether it's financially or whether it's you know, uh, talent or whatever it might be? Purpose. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What does generosity look like what, 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 would, what would you say defines generosity? 
if I kind of said, hey, I want to be generous, right? You know, I'm going to come and I'm just going to give you, you know, just a bottle of water or whatever. That's generous. But what if I came and I said, hey, what do you need? Do you need a bottle of water? What else do you need? How can I help you? What can I do? Do you need coffee? Would you like me to put some cream and sugar in that? Would you like me to put some flavoring in that for you? Hey, do you need a donut? Okay, don't be thinking of donuts yet. We're not done with the sermon. But it's going above and beyond, isn't it? It's going above and beyond what the world would expect. And friends, that's how we differentiate ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. We make an impact on others by going above and beyond. We go above and beyond, not in our own strength, but via the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Someone looks at us and says, that's not normal. That's not what the world would do. And we say, exactly, because we're not of the world. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will what? Result in thanksgiving to God. So here's what I want to tell you. Is anybody thankful for their relationship with Jesus Christ? Yeah, grateful, right? Now, I want to be very careful on this, okay? God is the one who saves. You don't save yourself. But I also want you to know that the reason that we're sitting here today is because what? God has given the church responsibility to what? Us, his people. Each of us are here because someone else passed what? Their Christian faith on to us. But God is the one who saves. Make sense? We wouldn't be here today if the disciples took the richness, all 12 of them, and said, great, we're rich, we're millionaires, we're done. Let's just hold it and hold it for ourselves. It would have stopped. The Christian faith would have been done right there. But what? They so generously, not just with talent, not just with time, not just with treasure, but in all things. And the Christian faith exploded because people were sowing generously. And it results in what? Thanksgiving to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all of the people that put up with me in my teens, for all the people that put up with me that I know now were followers of Jesus Christ who I ridiculed and thought were crazy. Thank you that you continue to pray for me. Thank you that in those moments when I doubted the Christian faith, then in those moments when I didn't want the Christian faith, then in those moments when I rejected the Christian faith, people continued to pray for me. People continued to present the gospel to me. You continued to sow generously to me, and for that, I owe it all to God because he's the one that saved me, but thank you to the church, to those people who so generously in my life despite my rejection of the gospel. That's the result that we're talking about right here in this passage. And so in this, verses 10 and 11, cheerful giving comes when we realize that all that we have comes from the Lord. Every single thing we have is from God. 
And if God is a good steward, and if God is a good father, and if God is a giver of good gifts, and if all that we have comes from him, I look at this and I say, okay, God, it's yours. And if you stir my heart here and you say this is where we should give, then help me to give generously and do so trusting that when I do, you will supply. Time, talent, treasure. The other thing, too, that I want to tell you is this. How many of us look around and say, man, I wish that I had what they have. I wish that I had this. I wish that I had that. Oh, I don't have this. I need that. Oh, I wish I had that. But sometimes, like I said before, sometimes God doesn't give to us because he has a specific purpose for our life, for what he's doing in who we are. And Philip Yancey speaks to this. He says this, if God doesn't want something for me, I shouldn't want it either. Has anybody ever wanted something and again, like I've said before, not gotten it? Okay? And then what's our natural reaction? I want to be 100% honest. My natural reaction is just to get mad at God. Well, I wanted that and you didn't give it to me and I thought it would be good and so, you know, God, you don't know what you're doing. I do and this would be better and I really want that so you're not God and I need to figure this out and I'm the one that has it better than you. Right? Wait a minute, God. I wanted that and you didn't give it to me. Why? Is there a reason? Is there a reason that you did not give that to me? And what's your heart behind it? And you know what, God? I realize now that you didn't give it to me and your heart is better than mine and you're wiser than I am, so there's a reason why I'm not getting what I want. And it's good? Wow. There's a reason I'm not getting what I want and it's good. Because you know better than I do what's good for me because you're my generous father and you give good gifts to all who love you. So for whatever reason, whatever reason that I want what I want and I'm not getting it, it must not be a good gift for me. Spending time in meditative prayer Getting to know God helps align my heart's desires with God. This really convicts my heart. Because those moments where I get mad at God because he's not giving me what I want, and then I go back to him and I say, wait a minute, there's a reason why I'm not getting it, and because the reason I'm not getting it is you know better than I do. Perhaps I need to spend more time with you rather than getting mad at you because you're a good father draws me to him. You will be made, verse 11, rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Because one of the greatest treasures, one of the greatest riches is watching you work. God's the one that does the work. God's the one that saves. But watching what you do and seeing people either come to Christ or grow in Christ or become on fire for God again. That's a treasure. That's a rich. That's an investment that I want to make because that investment will not fade away in God's economy. 
Cheerful giving comes when we realize that all we have comes from God, and then we look particularly at verses 12 through 15, and this is the, the kind of the summative aspect of this. Giving is a public act of worship and an expression of our thankfulness to God. This service that you perform, verse 12, is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them as, every, as with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Why? Their hearts will go out to you. Stop right there. Why? That should be the next one. Why will their hearts go out to you? And the answer is right there. Because of the surpassing grace of God. Not just the surpassing grace of God, but the surpassing grace of God that he has given to you. Personal. This isn't you like y'all kind of, this is you. Each and every one of you. The surpassing, not just the grace, right? Grace is awesome. But notice how Paul writes. Not just grace, but surpassing grace. Take grace and then make it surpassing beyond what you can possibly fathom. More grace than you can come up with. More grace than you are capable of. More grace than you can think of. More grace than your heart alone can do. It's surpassing grace. That God has given you. And I'm pointing and I don't, I'll, I'll point like this so nobody feels like that I'm getting on them. Okay. Right? You, you, deeply personal, deeply intimate, deeply convicting, but deeply encouraging. Summative statement. With all of that being said, right? Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Exclamation point. So here's, here's what I want to show you, right? How often do we read this passage and we read it as thanks God for this indescribable gift? Right? Period. Thanks God for this indescribable gift. Thanks God for that. Yeah, right? Maybe you get a gift and you're kind of like excited, sort of, or you're looking around and you're going, no, I didn't really want that, but you got to kind of, oh, great, you know? Another gift card that I'm not going to use, right? This isn't that. And the reason that the exclamation point is there is because of what's been stated previously and the recognition of who God is. The reason that the statement is made, thanks God for this indescribable gift. I, 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 I don't even know how to express it. I can't even contain or tell you summatively of the gift that I've been given. When I think about what you've done for me, my mind goes, I can try to describe it. I can do the best that I can. I can explain it to you. But even as I do, I simply cannot describe everything that I've been given by God to me because of who you are and what you've done. And because of that, I am so excited 
that I want to give generously. That's the point that's being made. Thanks, God, for this indescribable gift. So, in it, what I would tell you is this. If you've read this, and your heart is saying, thanks, God, for this indescribable gift, right? Go back and reread and discover what the gift is, because you missed it. You missed it. But at the end, if similar to Paul, your heart says, thanks God for this indescribable gift, you got it. And that's what drives our heart to wanting to give generously time, talent, and treasure. So friends, this morning, we've examined sort of this aspect of are we more of a consumer or a distributor of God's blessings? And as we've looked at this, we've begun to discover, well, if we are more of a consumer than a distributor, how do we get there? How do we become a distributor? And that's by looking at what we've been given and realizing what we have in Jesus Christ. And so the point that I want to make is simply this, kind of the summative aspect of what's going on in this passage is contentment with God. When we are content in who God is, when we have a relationship with him, when we realize that all we have we've been given and that we are rich in him, we are content with who we are in Jesus Christ. This moves our hearts from being a consumer. Because if you're content, why do you need more? A consumer of his blessings. Give me more, God. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. To a distributor of his, of his, of his grace. God, I've been given everything. I have everything in you. You are my king. I am your son and daughter, and I have an eternal inheritance. Therefore, may I distribute your grace to others. Help me to find ways to do so. It's an issue of the heart. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We just thank you for this. Thank you so much for the men and women who've gathered here this morning. We do pray for the others that uh, are traveling or can't be with us for whatever reason. But Lord, I, I pray that as we look at this, this verse, as we look at what we've been given in Jesus Christ, that our hearts would turn to generous distributors of the grace of God. Father, yes, we come to church. Yes, we do hear a message. Yes, we worship. But Father, may it not just be for consumption's sake. Rather, may it be for praise, honor, glory of your name. And then in that, Lord, may we take what we've been given and use it in our lives to be distributors of your grace to the community that's around us. Father, I pray this week that we would examine truly what we have in Jesus Christ and that we would just look, we'd just look for these little moments in our life where you are obviously working, whether it's through a conversation with a friend, whether it's at the grocery store and you know, we're going through a line and we're the 900th person that the, 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 the individual's checked out and rather than just kind of not saying anything, we just say to them, hey, how are you? I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for what's going on. And we give them a smile. Just these little differences where people would say there's something different about that person. And Father, in that, may we realize that when we are generous with you, we will sow and reap generously for your kingdom. What a blessing that is. 
Father, again, this being Memorial Day, we do take a moment. We just thank you for the men and women who have served our country and paid the ultimate sacrifice, which is the giving of their lives. Father, in that, may they realize and recognize that they have truly done an amazing deed. Father, with it too, we just thank you for the freedoms that we have and have been given, the opportunity this morning to sit and worship you, hear your word, come and fellowship together without fear of persecution. Father, remind us that there are parts of the world where doing what we're doing today could not be done. And it's all because of the freedoms that we have and have been protected by the men and women who have served. And so in that, Lord, I do pray that we would take a moment this weekend just to uh, sit and contemplate. Perhaps we have friends, family members, uh, loved ones who have given that sacrifice. And Father, I pray that your peace and your comfort and your mercy and grace would come before us and remind us indeed that you are there and that you care. Father, with it, continue to encourage our hearts. May we look at the gift that we've been given in you. As we look at the gift that we've been given in you, therefore may we go out and give that gift generously to others. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. And we ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen. amen.